Welcome to Ask the Dean. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm the co-founder of MAPT. I'm joined every week by Rachel Grubbs, the other co-founder of MAPT, who has 20 years' experience in the pre-med and test prep world, and by Dr. Scott Wright, former executive director of TMDSAS and former director of admissions at UT Southwestern Medical School. Ask the Dean is a weekly Q&A we do live exclusively for our MAPT members, and this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Ask the Dean, episode 69. We are here. We have made it. We continue to come every week here. Now on Wednesdays uh, at 1 p.m. Eastern for everyone to come and enjoy uh, the hopefully, hopefully come and enjoy uh, our banter back and forth. Uh, bef- before I introduce my my fellow co-hosts and guests, and, and you're not guests, you're co-hosts. Um, I, I was talking to a student yesterday who's like, I've watched every Ask the Dean, and I'm like, so I'm so sorry, I'm so, sorry. <laughs> so sorry you have to struggle with that. But uh, he, you're not he, he tired of our chivy jokes. <laughs> he apparently enjoyed it. So uh, we're, we're here again with my mapped co-founder, Rachel Grubbs. How are you today? I'm excellent. Uh, it's raining, which for me is the best. <laughs> so windows wide open, Rachel happy. Nice. And our newest mapped advisor, Verinia Granum, former Ooh. assistant dean of advising and STEM advising at... Hofstra University, um, and now an amazing advisor here at Mapped. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. We're better than Netflix, so that's better, all right. Better than it's Netflix, cheaper too. It's a lot cheaper. Yeah. So I love that we have uh, we've made such an impact on students. Nice. Um, so as as we continue to go here. Um, uh, we have last but not least the marvelous Dr. Scott Wright, former director of TMD SAS, executive director, uh, now filled by one of our amazing good friends, but we yes. won't mention because I don't know if it's public yet. Uh, so we won't yes. mention the, the name, but uh, we, we have a new, new exciting friend over there. And yep. uh, yeah, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Just, uh, you know, we're <clears throat> right on the edge of fall here in uh, central Texas, and uh, I'm really excited about that. I have my hoodie on today in, in honor of the uh, the turning of, of uh, the weather, so I'm excited. Nice. All right. Well, we are here to answer your questions. That is our job. Uh, again, we're the MAPT team. If you don't know what MAPT is, MAPT is comprised of MAPT app. Uh, which is our software technology platform helping students track everything that they do as a pre-med student and now as a pre-PA student as well. Uh, And at some point in the future, all of the pre-health fields. And uh, we also have mapped advising, which uh, is something that a lot of students utilize to help with essays, interview prep, etc. And you can also get at a lower cost, a more affordable cost for many people mapped advising inside of mapped at which is a chat feature that you can check out so with all that said let's go and jump in get some questions going absolutely our first question if i sent in my secondary on the very first day possible but haven't heard anything still and others who applied after got interviews is that a bad sign 
Dr. Wright, what do you think about that? Well, I think this is something that pre-med students love to do, overanalyze, overthink everything. (laughs) And uh, I don't think you can uh, make any judgments about anything relative to a review process at a medical school. You just have to sit back and wait. It's not a good sign. It's not a bad sign. It's just, it is what it is. So just got to relax, let things play out and uh, see, see what happens. But no, I don't think it's necessarily a bad sign. Yeah. Yeah. In some ways, this is the hard part, right? You did the work and now you have to wait. Yep. Patience, as they say, is a virtue, apparently. Yep. (laughs) It's hard. It's hard. This is, I think, one of the most frustrating parts of the application cycle because you have done everything that you can do. You have done everything expected of you. You have taken the MCAT. You've taken all of your classes. You've asked for letters of recommendations. You've filled out your primary application. You've paid all of that money to the the wonderful AAMC. You've filled out all of the secondary essays. And now there's nothing more that you can do. And that is very frustrating. And it's very anxiety provoking for many because you have to rely on someone else. And because there's what many consider this like veil of secrecy around this whole process, something that we try to demystify here every week, that you don't know what's going on. How are they looking at my application? Are they even looking at it? Did it pass the filters? Who's going to look at it? What are they going to look at first? Am I good enough? Am I good enough? Am I good enough? And then you go and see on Student Doctor Network, people that applied after you are getting interview invites, et cetera. And it's just, it, yeah. it sucks. But yeah. you, it just, you just got to hope that you've put in the work to the, to the best of your ability. And you, you have to understand that that's all that you can do at this point. And, and I will I will hasten to add to that, Ryan, that <clears throat> that the worst thing that you can do at this point is start comparing yourself to your friends and mm-hmm. to those on Student Doctor Network and all that. You know, they're you don't know if they're telling the truth or not. Mm-hmm. You, you, you don't know anything about them. <clears throat> you know you and yeah. that's all you can do. So do not compare yourself to when they submitted or what their scores were or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Uh, just it, it's that is a no win game right there. The hardest yeah. part is done, right? Yeah. You got through he through to this point. Now it's just you know it's kind of beyond your control at this point. Just watch us. Come watch Ask the Dean with us and relax. <laughs> so Ooh, maybe pick up meditation. Oh, <laughs> good idea. I got to plug it early. <laughs> so so Scott, going to something you said about going on student doctor network, are they even telling the truth? I I always tell this story and I don't know if you were standing there with me at at this conference in Toronto where, where we met for the first time in person. Mm -hmm. Um, It was, I think it was BU's Dean of admissions was telling the story, how, how they follow the threads on student doctor network. And they're always checking in, seeing what students are saying. And, and she was talking about, she was checking it one day. I don't know if it was very recently to when we were at that conference, but but she said that somebody had posted like, hey, guys, I, I finally got my interview invite today <laughs> to, to this school. And she's like, we didn't send out interview invites today. So <laughs> you just you never know. Right. Yep. You just never mm. know what people are doing on those threads. That's right. That's so true. That's right. Yeah. 
And you'd be surprised. I remember I used to look at those threads and it, it, it not always possible, but sometimes I could figure out which applicant it was by things that they would Ooh. say and where they, oh. where they went to school or whatever. And, and so I could, I could figure it out who they were. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I knew that they were, you know, not being completely forthright. Hmm. You're a regular, regular private eye over there. Oh yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't that hard. Let, let me tell you, it was not that hard. Yeah. Age of the internet. It's, it's the world is smaller than people think. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Be careful yeah. what you post. Yep. yep. All right. Well, uh, back to questions. One that's kind of related. So how long after interviews should you typically expect to hear from schools about an acceptance or rejection? So after interviews, Mm -hmm. ideally the medical school is telling you on interview day, expect to hear from us X, Y, Z, right. Or, or they'll, they'll let you know when their admissions committees meet. Is it, is it every couple of weeks? Is it like two big, uh, admissions committee meetings throughout the whole cycle? Uh, Ideally, they tell you on interview day. If they don't, <laughs> that kind of stinks. Um, and, and unfortunately, it's just uh, every school is going to be different because yeah. the admissions committee tempo is going to be different for every medical school. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, this is this is post-interview, so it's a little bit different. Pre-interview, I'll tell you, unfortunately, it seems like the far majority of schools just don't say anything to students. Um, I, I wish that were better and it's maybe something as we grow as a team and, and it can advocate a little bit more for students and, and have more outreach to schools is we can say, Hey, like one of the biggest frustrations, and I'm sorry, I'm very nasally. I'm, I have a cold. Um, one of the biggest frustrations that we see with students is just lack of communication later and later and later in the cycle. So like just send an automated email to say, like we ain't looking at your kid. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, you're exactly right, and, and you know, and I think that um, it, it varies by uh, school, certainly, but it also varies by you know I, my my feeling is that DO schools are sometimes a little bit more forthright with schedule, you know, a schedule of of you know you're going to hear from us within the next two weeks or whatever, and MD schools often are a little bit more you know, uh, flexible with that. And they, they don't really give you a whole lot of information. Um, there are some traffic rules about that with the AAMC that, that affect when they can start sending out offers and stuff. But generally speaking, I would say you can't really, you know, you, you may not know the answer to that question, which I know is frustrating for students, but you may not know. Yeah. And, and just to expand on that, the, the traffic rules that you're talking about, MD schools from the AAMC, do, do Texas mm-hmm. schools follow that the same traffic rules? Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. Um, MD schools outside of early decision, early decision is separate, but MD schools cannot offer acceptances until October 15th right. every year. Right. So uh, unfortunately, that's that's just a thing. Uh, I don't know why that's a thing. Maybe we can break it down later on, but yeah. that's just a thing. I don't either. Okay. Let's see. We got a typical. Is it clinical? It's a two-parter, but <laughs> soon you'll be able to go to isitclinical.com. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm a surgical technologist and full-time student, second year in community college. I'm planning to transfer next fall. I'm a reserve soldier. I'm wondering if my job 
Um, I just lost it there. Uh, as a surgical technologist, um, and then part two is clinical experience in shadowing because I work exactly. with a surgeon every day. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the question. Surgical yeah. technologist. So if you don't know what a surgical technologist is, typically a, a surgical tech, as we call them, um, not a technician, a technologist, is someone who basically is in the operating room, is scrubbed in, and is in charge of all the tools. <laughs> and when the surgeon says scalpel, uh, right, just the, the, the stereotypical kind of scalpel, uh, the surge tech usually is the one that's that's handing all the tools to the surgeon, getting all the tools back, making sure everything's organized, making sure that we're not missing anything and if something's left inside of a, a, a cavity somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, that is one million percent clinical experience. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. A million percent. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, I wouldn't call it shadowing though. No. Because you are you are in the thick of it the whole time working as a, a clinical person. So there are potential positions where some of it's clinical, some of it's shadowing. You what you're doing, I would say is is a thousand percent clinical and yep. not shadowing. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And if you are a pre-med student or a medical student, listen to the surge text because <laughs> they they run the show. That that in the uh, the the uh, the the nurse rotating around in there is uh, they're the bosses in there. Mm -hmm. yep. nice. A school did not invite me to an interview, but said I was on hold for a re-review. Is it good or bad or just is? <laughs> They're, they're picking up your language, Scott. Yep. <laughs> Julie, That's I right. commend you for listening. I think you posted that as we were talking about some of the other things. So you're, you're yeah. absorbing. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, th this is a, a, not an unusual uh, situation. I think that it, it is not either good nor bad. Uh, I agree that it just it is what it is. And I think that, uh, you know, it, it's certainly better than a rejection. Uh, so, um, but I think, you know, again, it's this, you got to sit back and wait and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Deep breathing, long, yep. slow exhales. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ooh, planning ahead for next year. Does the personal statement have to be exactly 5,300 words? Is 5,000 okay? So I will say, it most definitely should not be 5,300 words because that is way too many. Mm -hmm. 5,300 characters is a much better length that you want to Yes. <laughs> Good point, Ryan. <laughs> Ryan, yes, no. you passed the reading test. <laughs> Car section, yes. <laughs> so, so just just a clarification. It's always a, this thing, and and it, for secondaries, it's very important because mm -hmm. some are character based, some are word based. Mm -hmm. For the application for AMCAS and ACOMAS, fifty three hundred characters, not words. Mm -hmm. uh, so, is five thousand okay, Brittany? What do you think? I think the general rule of thumb we've always told students, or my previous position, I would tell students, you want to make it so that it's not. So that it's at least 5,000, right? So you want to be at that sort of general number. You don't want to make it less than that. 5,300 is okay. And it's really not a lot of characters when you think about it. Um, 
So you'll find that when you're at your first attempt, you'll end up with way, way more than this. And then as you start whittling it down, as long as you're in that 5,000 range, not, you know, anything less than that, I think it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think a lot of people that initial draft is sort of a brain mm -hmm. unloading. Mm -hmm. And um, that's why in the math app, if you're using a math web based application, we've got application simulator, we've got all the essay prompts that you're going to see in the applications. And there's a character counter, but it allows you to go way over because mm -hmm. we know you're probably going to hit six, 7,000 on that first attempt. Mm -hmm. right. yep. yeah. That's normal. Yep. Get it all out. That first time, you don't want to edit yourself. You just want to <laughs> brain dump. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, oh, international. My name is Charity. Uh, moved from Kenya, Jambo Habariako, uh, <laughs> to the U.S., New Hampshire last week. I'm 19 and wish to start pre-med. Is there a way I can reach out to you guys to advise me? So, Jambo, Welcome. Uh, I've been to Kenya. <laughs> I speak a couple words of Swahili, <laughs> and that's all, about all I got. Um, so that's awesome. Rachel, how, yeah. how can people work with us? Well, so first of all, right here, ask the dean every week for mm -hmm. you. So always feel free to take advantage of this. Lots of other free resources at medical school headquarters. Um, if you're looking to invest in some one-on-one -on -one assistance, we do have one-on-one -on -one advising, which I put the link up on the screen for those of you that are watching, map.com services. Um, that'll take you to all the different one-on-one -on -one options we offer. Um, and then we also have Application Academy, which is group advising. So a little more economical, a little less personal. Um, and, and more specific to the application cycle. Right. Mm -hmm. As opposed to your starting of the pre-med, which charity you had said you are. Um, yep. And then... Um, what what I think is a really great option for someone like Charity, who's early in the process, is the mapped app. Mm -hmm. So I had mentioned that before. I think Ryan's, uh, well, actually, I'll add it. I'm about to do some screen share. <laughs> um, so if you go to map.com, you don't need the services for what I'm talking about right now. So I'll take that off the screen. We have this web-based application that is essentially a pre-med tracker. So Charity, for you, I don't know how uh, familiar you are with the pre-med process. You might actually start with the roadmap. Um, and what that is, is if you kind of tell us where you are in your college career or post-collegiate career, we can help you map out the steps for each year all the way, you know, from, from taking your biology and chemistry, which is early in the pre-med process, all the way up to applying to and getting into med school. And then this whole app is a tracker. So let you know what you need to know, do let you let you know when to do it, and then helps you track your progress. And um, you'll track your courses, your grades, uh, you'll track the activities that you do, you can research med schools. And then here, Ryan's showing you the feedback tab right now. We will give you some feedback as you go. And this is, you know, automated things, but personally written by we four by the advising team. So we're going through map files, looking for patterns of success or potential stumbling blocks, and then telling the system anytime you see student with XYZ factors, send out these messages. So um, you're getting the benefit of our expert advice by using the app, this mapped app. Uh, and that is less than the cost of Netflix. So $8 a month or $80 a year, save two months if you uh, if you buy a year at once. Um, and for someone like you, you can start using it now and it'll just guide you through the pre-med process for the next uh, three years or so. 
Yeah, and let me <clears throat> let me also hasten to add that on uh, Wednesday, October the thirteenth, uh, at four p.m. Eastern time, we are going to have a workshop specifically for freshmen, for first year college students. And uh, it's going to really emphasize a lot of things that you can start doing now as a first-year college student that can help you in this pathway. So just uh, heads up about that. Yeah. And I do not have a dedicated URL up for that just yet. It's actually on my to-do list for today or tomorrow. But if you just go to map.com and sign up for our newsletter, you'll get a um, heads up for me whenever we have free events. Yep. So map.com is, is the place to start. Absolutely. Thanks for asking, Charity. You set us up yeah, for stuff charity. we like to tell students about anyway. Good luck, so, Charity. Uh, welcome to the United States. Yes. Hey. I am awesome. super pro-immigrant. <laughs> Me too. Um, having been an immigrant and then coming back. <laughs> I was lucky enough to not, uh, I was lucky enough to have the choice to go away and stay and come back. Uh, I'm, I'm pro-travel. Uh <laughs> Okay, so this one is a two-part, and it's my fault. It's because I pasted poorly. <laughs> if you get accepted into a school and place your deposit, but then you get accepted into another school, can you instead go to the second school? I know the first deposit will not be refunded, uh, will not be refunded but I want to know if placing a deposit is considered matriculation. No, no. it is not. Matriculation means enrollment, so mm -hmm. you would – that, that basically means you have signed up and you have started attending classes or at least orientation. Uh, but this is a very common question, you know, when it comes to uh, this the later part of the process. Uh, and um, absolutely, you have choice. You have the choice. And uh, just because you put a deposit down does not mean you're locked into that school. It, means it does typically mean you're going to lose your money. Yeah. Uh, and for particularly for some of the DO schools, that's a hefty amount of money mm -hmm. can be thousands of dollars. But, you know, you're making your decision about where you want to spend the next four years. You make the right decision mm -hmm. that's based on you in the grand scheme of things. Two thousand dollars or whatever is not is a drop in the bucket in, in terms of what you're going to be facing uh, for the, the for the next four years. So be wise in your choices. But, yeah, you can you can definitely uh, go to that second second acceptance school. And, and I would just add, if you are fortunate enough to have multiple acceptances, um, you want to think it through, obviously pick, you know, the school that's going to be the right fit for you, but try to do that sooner rather than later so that once you notify the other schools that you're not coming there, they can open up those slots to other people who are waiting. Absolutely. Um, yeah. The sooner the better. That's good advice. Yeah. As, as the as the kids these days say, putting in that deposit is not putting a ring on it. Right. That's right. <laughs> is that what they say? Yeah. If you like it, then you better put a ring on it. Yeah. 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 You're not going to sing, are you? Yeah, that song is like no. nine years old. Nine I know. Years ago. I know. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Where did I go? Sometimes I just have a lot of tabs open. All right. As a non-trad with three prior years of banking experience, how would or should I attack letters of rec? One or two from my banking supervisors, one from an undergrad finance, and two from post-bac science profs. Uh, what, what should Spencer do here? Rachel, what do you think? I'm going to let Rachel answer one. 
<laughs> I'm gonna let you. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm gonna pick on you. This time. pick you, not pick on you. Yeah. So this is interesting because some schools will specifically say that um, that they're fine with work experience, especially if there's non-traditional. So I think Ohio State, for example, um, most schools want to see two. Um, two letters from science professors, but some schools will specifically say, yeah, a banking, banking supervisor is great. And then others are going to stipulate that they really want everything to be focused in academia. So for you, Spencer, I mean, that, that work experience is definitely in your favor, but, um, and it's going to come up in other things, um, you know, other essays, other conversations, but for the letters of rec, you've got some research ahead of you. Um, you need to start thinking about what med schools, um, you're potentially interested in, even if it's, you know, a ways away and start looking at, at what they require because you most likely are gonna need to, oh, I'm gonna sneeze, make friends with uh, your post-bac science profs so that you can start to round up those academic letters. Good. Yeah, good advice. Oh, the sneeze went away, awesome. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Uh, apparently in Russian tradition, if, if someone sneezes after you say something, that means it's true. Oh, huh. interesting. Oh, huh. well, there you nice. go. <laughs> uh, here we go. How are students chosen for early decision, especially at Texas schools? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think that uh, most of the schools uh, that have early decision programs, Texas Tech is the one that comes to mind, is uh, that they're looking for a connection to Texas Tech. Uh, they're looking for a connection to West Texas, to, the, to, uh, to what they offer. Um, so they're looking for very stable, uh, uh, clear connections. Uh, this is the school I want to go to school. This is the medical school I want to go to. I've always known that. Here's the reasons behind that, et cetera. So they're looking for that, that, that those connections to to uh, to see that this is that you're really committed to to going to their particular institution. All right. Um... Does being a pharmacy technician qualify as clinical experience? Is it clinical.com coming soon? Uh, given that you interact with patients, I know it isn't shadowing. Also, thank you, Dr. Gray. I've been watching you since high school. Hey, Sarah. Um, so unfortunately, my stance on this is pharmacy tech is not clinical experience. It's, it's a retail job. Uh, yep. It just happens to be doling out medical stuff um, to people who are coming in. Yeah, agreed. So that's my stance. A yeah. lot of people put pharmacy tech on their application and put it as clinical and the medical schools will decide for themselves what that's they right. want to do. So. That's right. Yep. All right. So I have a follow-up question to that. I'm sorry. If the pharmacy happens to be within the hospital setting itself and the pharmacy tech is running medications to patients back and forth, would that make a difference? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely so think so. Bringing yeah. the medication there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think so. I was thinking about that too, about the way different pharmacies are mm -hmm. staffed because at some pharmacies, 
really only the pharmacist does patient counseling mm -hmm. and at some pharmacies the techs do um which is part of why whenever we get in is, is it clinical made it will not be about job titles we won't be very interested in that we might collect mm -hmm. it just to see what what job titles are driving the questions but we're only going to be asking you to make the decision about whether or not it's clinical on what you do not yep. what you what you say your job is we want to yep, know yep. what the actual work is right exactly all right does it look bad that my science gpa consists of only the course recs and one upper division science class biochem under my belt i was a non-stem major and discovered i wanted to be pre-med late in the game no so it's very standard for non-science mm -hmm. majors yep that's, yeah. that's yep. the name of the game. Do what you need to do and move on. That's okay. right. In fact, uh, Haley, <laughs> our, our good friend, uh, Caleb Marsh at Temple, uh, at the Temple University Postback Program, <clears throat> is in the process of writing his dissertation, his doctoral dissertation about this very topic, about the, the likelihood of admission based on undergraduate major, whether you're science or non-science. And, uh, and I think what he's finding is, is, you know, it's yet to be seen what the, what the results are going to be. But in, in essence, what I think he's going to find is that you're in good, you're in good shape just because you've just got the, the prereqs and the, and, and biochem, you know, medical schools are, are, are really going to look and see, but all the evidence thus far that I know about says that there's really no difference between, science and non-science majors in terms of your performance in, in medical school. I think you're going to be, you're going to be fine and med schools are not going to disadvantage you in that process. Yeah. 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 There's a reason those courses are required because those are the ones you need. Yep. Uh, interesting side note, there are studies published by the AAMC that show that humanities majors tend to score better on the MCAT. Mm -hmm. Um, and what that often comes down to is critical reading skills. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about talent. I'm talking about skills, right? If, if you're always working on your critical reading skills, then using them on the MCAT comes to you a little more naturally than someone who's been focused on science and math skills. Mm -hmm. um, but the MCAT's supposed to be an indicator of performance, and yet yeah. gap there, you know, yeah. uh, which is why we say major in what you like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The MCAT is hard and the MCAT is important. And to do well on the exam, it matters how you prep and not just how much. Okay. Sorry. Hey, Rob Frannick. <laughs> I like Rob. I'm, I used to work with Rob, but yeah, that, that is so annoying. Um, <laughs> uh, good person, bad commercial. This the, the, the subject of nightmares for many. Uh, Devin is asks, uh, do you know if some MD schools automatically give interview invites to legacies? So we haven't got many legacy questions. I got an interview invite from my dad's alma mater, but this school initially seemed way out of my reach. Was wondering y'all's thoughts. I, I love this question because I love talking about how reach just is not a thing. Right. I, I hate this word. Uh, and Rachel, you, you, you have a lot of background in the college admissions world as well. And, and you've talked about how this is very much a holdover from college admissions. Exactly. Talk yeah. about that. Yeah. Reach is a thing in college admissions, which is why I think so many pre-meds ask about it because I mean, I'm generalizing, but a lot of pre-meds had, um, were pretty well informed about the college admissions process. Right. Mm -hmm. So there are 4,000 
U.S. colleges and universities, 7,000 if you count all the post-secondary institutions, you know, things like hair design or whatever. Um, <laughs> so when you have that many, yes, there's going to be some that are a match based on stats, some that your stats are so much better than that they are considered a little bit of a safety, and then some that are a reach, like the classic examples, the Ivies. With Ivies, amazing stats don't get you in. Amazing stats just mean you're now qualified to even try right to apply but med schools are different so there's 236 md and do i think off the top of my head somewhere in there 200 mm -hmm. odd um so not nearly as many medical schools and really all u.s med schools are really high quality yep. right so yep. there's definitely no such thing as a safety um in a world where 40 to 50 percent of applicants get in no schools are safeties, right? No one's yeah. got an amazing, easy shot. It just doesn't work like that. But then the flip side of that is um, while we tend to assign prestige to some med schools based on their research or their name brand, which often the name brand is actually tied to the undergraduate institution or a different, um, a different grad program, Right, like a lot of people know Harvard and Yale and Penn, which certainly have great med schools, but also like are well distinguished for their law and business. And, you know, like that brand is sort of spilling over. Um, so this is just a long way of saying, yeah, Hopkins is hard to get into, but you know what? So is Ohio University, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're both great schools. They're both hard to get into. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I mean, Devin, in a way, I feel like that's some humility on your part because the way you worded this question makes me think that you don't want to ride your dad's coattails and that's awesome. Um, but I don't, I don't think it works that way. Someone in the comments joked, Oh, it's probably because your dad gave your, your, the hospital a couple million dollars. Um, <laughs> and, and maybe your dad did, <laughs> but barring that, like if, if your family name is not on a building, you probably got there on your own merits. So congrats. Yeah. I remember one year we had a faculty member's son who was applying uh, to UT Southwestern. We interviewed him. He had a great application and was, you know, a, a really fantastic, um, fantastic guy. Did well in, in the whole process. And I remember taking him aside at orientation. And I told him, I looked him in the eyes and I said, you did this on your own. This had nothing to do with your father. I thought it was super important that he know that this was not any kind of legacy, you know, thing that was going on here, that he, he did the hard work, he got it. And uh, he, I think he appreciated that. And, and it was a, it was a good word. So, but anyway. Yeah. That's awesome. I've read your interview book, Dr. Gray, but I am still wondering how long I should spend for each response to a question on average. Would you say one to two minute response and elaborate if given a follow up? It's, it's funny. Everyone asks this question because I didn't answer. I didn't like talk about it in the book because there is no answer. Right. right? The, the answer needs to be as long as it needs to be and no longer. Um, that's that's the answer. These quantitative right. science people. What the de <laughs> What's the deal with that? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. What, what is the standard deviation for how long, <laughs> how long it should answer? Uh, yeah, no. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to go a slightly different way. I mean, and this is the way experts work, right? Sometimes there's still a little bit of dissent. 
I agree there's no rubric, and yet one to two minutes is way longer than you think it is, Ramsey. Yep. And if you are dead set on a rubric, mm. I think you should push yourself to a little shorter than what you just said. Um, it's much easier. Now, not every single question, not every single time. But if you're thinking two minutes is a default. It's um, too long. Yeah. yeah. Spend some time watching people's eyes when you talk for two minutes. I mean, I just did it. And halfway through, I was like, shit, Rachel. Like, yeah, sorry. Sorry about my language. Oh, we're going to have to Whoopsies. You went too long, Rage. And I mean, yeah, so just think about think about tightening it up. That is just consider that shorter might be better. So so part of my struggle with this question is that to me, what this what this tells me is that Ramsey and everyone who asks this question is preparing for their interviews by scripting out answers and then seeing how long mm -hmm. that response is. That's and right. that is absolutely not Worst how way. you should be yeah. preparing your responses. Very good point. Think about questions. Think about bullet points, the highlights of the things that you would want to bring up in a response and remember the bullet points mm -hmm. and then let your brain it's a magical supercomputer. Let your brain fill in the space as you go on interview day. Yep. Great advice. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make a banner. You should take that show on the road. <laughs> you should have a live weekly Q and A. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Interview prep should be bullet points, not scripts. Mm -hmm. uh, another saying we like to say is the interview should be a coffee conversation. Um, so just yep. chat. Right. Now, in the case of an MMI, right, where you're in a station scenario, that type of thing, then, you know, you might be told you're, you know, you're going to go in and talk for four to six minutes or whatever. So it really also depends on the interview type. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's I also point. sometimes in interviews tell people how long I want them to respond mm -hmm. for partly to set the time and partly to see if they follow instructions. Mm -hmm. um, maybe, maybe I'm mean like that, but sometimes I'll, <laughs> some, sometimes I'll say, please give me about a one minute background on you to see if they can finish. Yeah. You know, and that doesn't mean one minute and 10 seconds is in trouble, but it means that if they're hitting minute three or four, I'm going, mm -hmm. mm -mm, nope. Not do you ever last. do the opposite? Like, tell me about your research in 10 seconds. <laughs> Uh, 10 seconds? No, that's hard on people. I have found that even well-spoken people, if you say, can you do it in 10 words or less, they still answer with 100 mm -hmm. words. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> All right. I am a non-trad teacher. Hello, Derek. And will now be taking charge of our pre-health club and volunteering club at our school. Awesome. 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 Should I send schools an update with this activity? So the dreaded update question. Um, we should get another uh, URL for should I send an update.com. <laughs> um, Scott, at, at UT Southwestern, did what was your update policy there? Do you remember? Uh, <clears throat> we didn't really have an update policy uh, per se. Uh, we had... You know, we would we would take you know we would get letters and stuff and, and and things like that, but basically we didn't instruct students one way or the other. Uh, now this was you know 
uh, a little bit different time. And so it was a little bit different uh, then in terms of, but, but we didn't have, uh, we didn't have a real policy, but I know a lot of schools, you know, they're going to accept whatever you send in, they're going to scan it into your, to their electronic file. But in terms of updates, I think it has to be substantive for it to be impactful. And if you're just saying, Oh, I'm continuing, you know, to take classes and, and, you know, I'm taking microbiology this this semester and, you know, stuff like that. We already know half of that anyway. Then it's just going to be meaningless and it's a waste of time. But but I think in this case, uh, this is, you know, pretty substantive. And, and I would so I would say, you know, it can, it's not going to be a negative. So, you know, I, I would say go ahead and send it in and, you know, if they accept it, they accept it. If not, then whatever. Yeah, there they're also just taking over. So they really haven't done much yet. Yeah, I sort of feel point. like you should yeah. wait a little longer to until you have more to write about, basically, about what you've done. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Mm-hmm. That's a really good, That's a good point. point. And the other, the other asterisk to add on to it is each school has their own update policies. Some don't mm-hmm. want any updates. Mm-hmm. Some only want updates on grades. Some only want updates on whatever. So check in with the individual schools. Yeah. Yeah. What was it? I think Scott, you said this a couple of weeks ago. Some of them put their updates in the circular file. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trash can. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, I know that sounds flippant, but it just yeah. Be, be yeah. mindful that the application is the is the only thing you're sure they're looking. at. I mean, we used to get we used to get the most bizarre things. You know, we had one student who who created this whole magazine. Like with, 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 you know, ads and everything. It was all about him and things he had done. And I mean, the hours and hours and hours that he had put in on that and he mailed it to us. And and it was just like, this is a little like overboard eater, you know, it was, I mean, you know, we kind of, I hate to say this, but we kind of laughed about it and, you know, and said, this is, I mean, this is great, but wow. You know, it's great and a waste. Yeah, and 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 yeah, and, and a waste of time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Use that time getting clinical. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. I don't think I did this one. No, not yet. How important is research experience? Say five hours per week over my senior year. I'm considering a project at my school concerning head trauma in vets. Ooh, sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those veterinarians. So when the when the dogs <laughs> don't want those shots, they bang <laughs> yeah. their heads on the cabinet. I was thinking like a farm vet, like a horse kicking. <laughs> I thought he meant veterans. I think like, he meant military vets. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Ryan, you're our tenth of He's human. in rare form today. <laughs> He's in rare form. But Verenia hasn't been around my sarcasm long enough. That's um, awesome. so, so back to Troy's great question. Yes, um, we're not being Reese, flippant, Troy. What'd you say? Yeah. Well, we're being flippant, but not at Troy. <laughs> no, no. This sounds like very important research. Um, sorry, you were saying, Rachel, go ahead. Yeah, you go, Verenia. It's your turn. Um, the way I see research is if it is meaningful to you, if you are interested in this, if you are, you know, going to be learning something from this experience that that's going to, you know, down the road be helpful for you and what you want to pursue as a doctor, go for it. Um, don't worry about, you know, how's it going to look on your application? Is it, you know, better for me? Research experience is beneficial on its own. It's not a requirement. Um, and if you get an opportunity to do it and you're interested in it, go for it. 
but don't look at it as something as, you know, is this going to make me look better? And, and the, the, I, the topic of your research just on its own is so needed and so important. So I would, I would approach it from that perspective. Yeah. Agreed. Totally mm. agree with you, Verenia. Thank you. All right. Ryan left me a bit verklempt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Let's see. Losing track. <laughs> Months away from transitioning out of the Navy, was pre-med prior to joining, back at it for the last year, got my BA before I joined. How can I get back into the full swing of it post back masters thanks says carlos well number one carlos thank you for your service uh to to you, the united states in 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 uh in the navy we you know we really appreciate what you what you've done uh but what i would say to that is I, I definitely think you need to kind of get back into uh a uh, the rhythm of being a student. And uh, I, I think that, uh, it, you know, you could go a post-bac route or a master's route. Either one would, would be appropriate. It, some some of it kind of depends on kind of what your grades and stuff look like in your BA in terms of if you're, you're going to be a good fit for the post-bac program that you're looking at. Uh, but I, I would say e either one of those uh, you know, let other things guide you in that in, in that regard. Uh, the cost, uh, the location, you know, what's going to be the best location for you? What's going to be the best in terms of cost? Uh, things like that, that that you uh, can can consider. Uh, you may have Navy benefits that will um, help you with uh, paying on, on some of these things with regard to, uh, for example, some states have even uh, supplements to uh, as Texas supplements to the the veterans benefits that are that are state run uh benefits so look at everything that, that that's involved and and choose uh choose something to work for you but i, I definitely think you could go either one of those routes it would be very helpful in terms of getting back into the sort of rhythm of, of things I want to circle back. We'd had the question before about legacy and uh, one of the students chimed in and I'm all for students sharing expertise because a lot of you guys are crazy well informed, but this one wrinkles me a little. Um, so just want to correct it for anyone reading. Um, Sibida, I'm not sure how to say your name. What do you think, Ryan? Sure. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, it might not be a name. It could just be uh, just a Some user. Letters. Yeah. So in general, med schools hold it against you for having a doctor parent. Not sure about legacy schools. And that's just false. It's just, yeah. yeah, it's just bullshit. Yeah. Oh, you need it. Right. You need one of those that says e -aw, e -aw, when you say a <laughs> bleep across the face there. Yeah. Um, really, I, I, I would say potentially what this student is getting at, this person is getting at is students who haven't gone out and researched for themselves and gotten their own experiences and proven to themselves to tell their own story about why they want to be a physician and only apply based on my daddy's a doctor, my mommy's a doctor, therefore I want to be a doctor, then 
yes, that is a bad application. It's not that the parent being a physician is being held against the student. It's that the student didn't do their own work in finding out if they want to be a physician, reflecting on their own journey to, to tell the admissions committee why they're doing this. Yes. And the same thing would apply to anyone else who failed to get clinical and failed to reflect. That's right. And I think, you know, my experience is that that is so rare, you know, that, that, that we, you know, uh, if a student has a doctor parent, I think often they are more careful uh, to go out and do their own homework and, and stuff like that. I, I see very few students who, who depend on mommy and daddy. And, and so I, I think that, you know, I just don't agree at all with, with the premise of, of that statement. Yeah. I, I will often say, whether it's on application renovation or mission accepted, if a student has a, a parent who's a physician, I'll mark that as like a little note in my head and, and I'll be a little bit extra critical to make sure, did they do their own research? But it's the same question I'm, an admissions committee is asking any student. Did you do your homework? Did you get clinical? Did you get shadowing? Um, and, and I would say it's a big mistake if you have a parent who is a physician to not mention it anywhere. And then it's like, it doesn't come up anywhere. Cause a lot of times your story is incomplete and it's not your truth and you're hiding behind it. And a lot of pieces aren't necessarily connecting. I I've seen it way too often when I talk to students and I'm reading a personal statement and, and things just aren't connecting up, uh, connecting right. And then I'll, I'll remind myself, I'm like, oh, I didn't ask what your parents do. I'm like, oh, my dad's a doctor or my, not, my mom's a doctor or whatever. And then I'm like, oh, that makes much more sense now. These little like jumps that you're making uh, make much more sense. Let's add like a sentence somewhere, anywhere, just to say that you were exposed to healthcare growing up because yeah. mom's a doctor. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I just think there's sometimes they're super cautious about that and they don't, they, yeah. they go the other direction, you know, yep. they, yeah. yeah. All right. All righty. Here we go. Um, so I am a 21 and I am currently doing my bachelor's in microbiology. It's my third semester or second year. I want guidance for what kind of opportunities I should look for during my four year BS and for the future. Love this question. <laughs> you so, want to show them the roadmap? Here's the roadmap. So uh they would be in their second year uh mm -hmm. so as you come down here you can see that this demo account is set to start medical school in 2024 um i believe that's how we have it set up here yep, we can yep. check the profile and we can come in here and see that our target med school start year is 2024 and just to show you how this works. I'll, I'll change it to 2025 and uh, presto change. Joe, we go back to the roadmap and now the dates are now based on 2025 start year. And so volunteering, and we give a little blurb about volunteering and clinical experience because not all volunteering is clinical. Um, we have s some blurbs about shadowing and activities and most meaningful stuff later on as, as you start to prepare for your applications. So that's just a, a very brief thing. I mean, you can just use Google and go say, hey, like what are good activities for pre-med students mm -hmm. um, and, and get lots of great information out there. But at the core, 
to answer the question, why do you want to be a doctor? We feel like you need clinical experience and shadowing to put yourself around patients, put yourself around doctors to help tell that story. Yep. Uh, oops, wrong person. There you go. And uh, Scott, uh, Dr. Wright had mentioned this earlier, but we will be having um, a session in early October that's essentially a pre-med launch. So, you know, you might be a first year or second year, you might be a career changer, but if you're if you're early to being pre-med, we're going to have a session just for you. Um, and again, I don't have a dedicated URL for that, which clearly I should have. <laughs> um, but for now, if you just go to map.com and sign up for our newsletter, we'll make sure you get the invite to that session. Definitely. All right. Probably got time for one more. Yeah. 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 Let's take a look. How early can I ask for letters of recommendation? Great question, common question that we get. Let's say you're a first year student, you have the best chemistry professor, you uh, hit it off with her, you go to office hours every day, whatever, and uh, you want a letter of recommendation from that professor, Vernia. What should that student do? So we recommend that you start getting your letters of recommendation in the year that you're applying. So maybe that that January, February, that spring semester before you're applying, if you're still in school or, um, but having said that, you're just taking this class now, let's say, and you're in your first year of college, it's a little early, but you wanna stay in touch with that professor. You know, show a genuine interest in what they're doing. Um, like Dr. Wright, uh, sorry, Dr. Gray was just saying, go to their office hours, make sure they get to know you well. Um, and ask them, you know, hey, is it okay if, you know, I come to you in the future to ask for a letter of recommendation just to kind of, you know, give them a heads up that you're going to be doing that. The important thing, though, is to maintain those relationships in a genuine way, in an authentic way, not in a way that's just like, hey, I just need a letter from you. Yep. Great. Great. Sounds good. All right. I think we can wrap up here. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for coming. Ask the Dean now on Wednesdays, 1 p.m. Eastern, every week for free on the mapped.tv and uh, premed.tv channels on, going live on both of the YouTube channels that we have, uh, as well as Instagram Live. Uh, I have my, my phone here uh, streaming as well. Thank you for all of the great questions. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to, to get so many students coming here uh, every week, hopefully getting all the advice they need to have a successful application cycle for free to help them help them get into medical school. So absolutely. Yeah. Thank you all. Best Thank wishes. You. Everybody. We'll Good see call. you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. This is Dr. Gray again, closing out. I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast. Track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.